Welcome to the GeoMob Podcast, where we discuss geo-innovation in any and all forms, whether for fun or profit. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the GeoMob Podcast. Today, my guest is Mika Sakala, who will be speaking at the upcoming GeoMob Finland in Ulu. Um, so I think by the, by the time this episode goes live, you will have already spoken. Um, I don't know how big the turnout is going to be in in Ulu, so uh, we thought it'd be good to also get you on the podcast so that so that some of the non-Finnish audience can also learn about the work that you're doing. Um, specifically, you are working at a company called Bila, um, your research director there, and they have some very interesting geospatial challenges. So um, I thought this would be a great great chance to, uh, you know, for people to learn about this, this project. So, um, Mika, first of all, thank you for speaking at GeoMob. Um, thank you for coming on the podcast. Maybe we start uh, by introducing yourself and, and give us a quick story of what Bila is. Right. Yeah. First of all, uh, thank you for inviting me. It's my pleasure. Uh, and also thank you for invi inviting me to the GeoMob. Uh, and it's, um, uh, I'm really excited that it's it will be in Oulu, especially since I'm living here, and I've been always living here. Uh, about me and Bila, uh, my my story at Bila started uh, one year ago, about. Uh, but I have been following Bila's story along my studies for quite a few years already. Uh, <clears throat> actually, uh, first time I heard about Bila was uh, maybe. 2016, and I was working in this uh, small software company called Ninjami, and we had this small customer, Omakuski, and they they were delivering cars, and uh, at some point that um, that customer got so big that they ended up buying the whole software company and merging it to to themselves, and at that point I had left to my studies in University of Oulu already. And uh, during my studying years, uh, the Bila story got bigger and bigger. They started expanding and they really got up the ground. And finally, uh, this January, uh, I came back and started working as a research director at Bila. Well, explain to us exactly what Bila does, because I was, um, obviously there's a website and we'll have that in the show notes, but the website doesn't finish. And um, it wasn't it wasn't immediately clear to me what exactly the the it's what exactly the service is. So break it down. Who 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 uses Bila and why? Bila is mostly focused on around the platform called BilaGo. So BilaGo is a platform that uh, is specialized in uh, delivering cars, and the customers who order those uh, drives are usually. Uh, car dealerships, uh, service shops, uh, leasing companies, car rental companies. And there's a lot of uh, demand for that kind of service. And what is unique about Bila, uh, at least in Finland, is that uh, we deliver to cars by driving. And uh, globally, I think that by huge margin, the uh, car uh, deliveries are made by ships and trucks and trains. But that's... Uh, applicable only to to some extent so first of all th those require some level of volume low, like like 
um, ships usually uh, deliver large amount of cars from the maybe the factory to the countries for distribution, and the trucks may deliver the cars to the shops where they are sold. But the last by delivery, uh, it's usually difficult to do that by um, by trucks or trains or ships. So that's where the car had to had to be driven. And of course, often when the the customer buys a car, they will drive the car out of the shop and go home. But these days, uh, everything is going online. There, are many of the dealerships have uh, online showrooms. People can basically buy cars remotely without even checking the car. And that's where we come in. We deliver the car, and we maybe uh, even take away the trading car if they want to trade in their old car to the shop. So that's where we coming. So, so your drivers are taking the car actually to the end customer's house, which could be in the middle of nowhere, I guess, or, or yeah, wherever. Yeah, right. And it's it's not actually limited to the delivering like home deliveries. Uh, we we also like I think majority of our uh, drives happen between shops. Like, <clears throat> let's say we we have a, this uh, hypothetical uh, car company who are selling uh, cars all around Finland. They they may have uh, multiple shops. One in Helsinki, one in Oulu, one in Vasa, and some customer wants to try out a car which is located in Helsinki, but they live in Oulu, so they have to deliver the car from the shop in Helsinki to the Oulu shop for test drive, and that's like that's something that happens a lot in the background and people don't even notice. Like uh, car companies, they have to deliver cars between shops all the time. But it's not like often that happens with trucks, of course. But uh, if the demand is uh, like if if the car has has to be delivered immediately, let's say within the same day, and the, like the shop is smaller shop, uh, we don't really want to drive a uh, truck which has only one car on board. So driving is the most economical option in th- these cases when the delivery has to be quick and. Uh, the location may be difficult, like delivering home or whatever, and when the volume is low, like in, in, in some edge cases. Okay, so thanks for setting the context. Yeah, this I can immediately see we are going to have some some very difficult kind of logistical geospatial problems here in terms of getting all the, the cars could be anywhere. They might have to go anywhere. Obviously, you've got to coordinate drivers, and I guess... Obviously, if I if I deliver the car to your house, then somehow I have to get home, right? As a driver, like if I'm the driver, exactly. then then how am I gonna? You know, so so you're gonna send a second car, or or I, so I can I can see there's gonna be a lot of kind of routing, logistical resource allocation yeah. problems. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's that's uh, one of the main issues. I think like. Delivering cars by driving, it, it's definitely something that uh, has its place and that the volumes are surprisingly uh, high. But um, I think the key difficulty in that is that uh, the drivers have to get get to the drives and get home back home. And maybe if they are driving multiple drives per day, they have to drive to the destination, then maybe walk two kilometers to the next one and maybe use bus or train or whatever to come back. And that's the key issue, I think. Uh, and one thing, uh, like kind of fun uh, comparison or like uh, way to Im- think about it is uh, like Bila's business is to uh, imagine 
taxi business or like a ride hailing service, but negation of that, like inverse of that. So in ride hailing services, uh, people are transported uh, by cars. But in our case, uh, you can think that uh, we deliver cars by people. So it, it's kind of in inverse, like uh, going from one gig to another gig, you have to do that by other means. You cannot use a car for that. So, so you have to rely on existing infrastructure, uh, buses or electric scooters or whatever. I could also imagine this is the kind of situation where, well, several observations. First of all, if you do it correctly, probably everything works. But if you make a mistake, then it can get very expensive very quickly, I would imagine, if in terms of like, you know, you have someone, because obviously I assume you're paying for the driver as he goes to the next gig or something. So, and then second of all, my God, what a nightmare in that every single day the problem is changing, right? It's not like even if you craft the optimal solution for today, tomorrow you start fresh and have to do it again, right? I mean, yeah. because like yeah. where you're delivering has changed and... Oh my goodness. Okay. So <laughs> by by nature our our uh, business is uh, really dynamic. Like uh le let's compare to like the traditional uh, car transportation by trucks. They usually have pretty fixed uh, destinations between which they uh, deliver cars. But our uh our demand happens like Exactly in the, those situations where the locations may be spurious, like completely random. It, it may be in the middle of nowhere. And how are you going to get back from those, uh, those kind of drives, which end up in like 500 kilometers to the north, northern Finland, where is, there's no trains or... Yeah, I mean, Finland is a country with a lot of middle of nowhere, I guess. So, yeah. uh, so and are you do, you're doing this only in Finland or in other markets as well? Finland is the like main market for us. That's where we started, and that's where we have like uh, like huge volume of our drives happen in Finland. But uh, recently we started in Sweden as well, uh, and that's new market for us. But that's kind of similar to Finland as well. Like uh, the country is kind of similar. It's it's a long country. Uh, it's a large country uh, by area, but still quite sparsely populated. There, there are like city centers, metropolitan areas, but then there's a lot of middle of nowhere. And that's, uh, that's a market that is familiar to us uh, in that sense. So it's a natural next step for us. Okay, so, so we understand the problem and frankly, I'm horrified by it, trying to think about how to solve this. So, so how do you solve it? What do you, what do you, what do you do? What do you, uh... How do you approach this? Yeah, good question. Of course, there are multiple solutions, but uh, the current solution that uh, my team has been working on is this uh, system called chaining. So we try to uh, combine uh, multiple drives together in a way that the, uh, the transfer distance is minimized. Uh, and not actually the transfer distance only, but the, like, the difficulty of transfers. Uh, so that if, if a driver like we, we aim to the situation that a driver can uh, leave home, uh, start to drive right next door, uh, go to the next drive, like walking maybe 100 meters, starting the next drive, taking a bus and traveling maybe half an hour, taking another drive back home. And that's all. Like we are trying to uh, 
find this kind of uh, maybe loops that start near the driver's home and end up back near the home, their home. Uh, or maybe, uh, if that's not possible, we try to uh, create chains that uh, end up in places where public transportation is widely available. So let, let's say uh, a driver starts from Oulu, they go to Kuopio or whatever, then they go to Helsinki. But from Helsinki, you can take a train back to Oulu. So that's uh, much better than uh, ending up uh, in the middle of nowhere. So we are trying to always make it so that the end point, the final end point, is in, is in a place that uh, has means of transportation back home. So to minimize the uh, cost that the driver has to, like the cost of public transportation, basically. So obviously this requires kind of very good data. I mean, you need to know, obviously, the road network. Uh, I, I don't know if you take into into consideration real-time factors like traffic and things like that, or um, obviously also the public transport network. So, so what kind of data sets are you working with, and how do you, uh, uh, you know, how do you keep that current, and how are you, how's that all play out? Our routing is currently uh, mostly outsourced to uh, publicly available APIs. We are using uh, Google Maps API mostly for the actual route calculations. But uh, then we, uh, when creating the chains, uh, we have to combine with that with uh, basically the public transportation schedules. So every time there is a transfer between drives, uh, we have to uh, find if there is a bus line available, for example, or maybe taxi in an extreme case. So, so we. we we are trying to uh, combine multiple data sources. Mostly the routing is uh, is actually the simple part, I think. Like the drive routing, because they, the users or the drivers will drive the, their cars. That's that's something that we, we can manage quite easily with traditional methods. But the difficulty is in the transfers, which happen between drives and from, from home to drives and from the last drive back to home. So those are the situations where we have to rely on uh, public transportation schedules in order to um, estimate the difficulty of the transfer. Well, I can imagine this is also the type of system where if you have a big enough volume, it gets more and more efficient, right? Because yes. you know the driver, you know, as after he drops off one car, he walks to the next house, gets the car, you know, what, or the next, he can go from job to job to job. But you know, particularly when you start you're not going to have big volume. So now, for example, as you said, you're expanding into Sweden or, or I don't know, maybe you expand to a different region of Finland or something. So how do you kind of get it going to get the volume up? I mean, there must be a big challenge there. Yeah, that's definitely a, a challenge. And uh, um, that's something that, uh, that's I think that's the uh, status quo in, in this kind of uh, business is that it's difficult to, uh, to do, do those transfers. Because uh, traditionally, uh, let's say car dealerships who have to deliver cars between shops and may maybe make home deliveries, they have had usually their uh, dedicated uh, fleet of drivers or like pool of drivers, which are employed. And uh, for those, you can imagine that the volume is quite low because it's, it's only that one certain uh, dealership or maybe even one shop. Uh, so the costs of uh, transfers are really high. But uh, 
uh, that's actually where uh, Bila becomes viable because we have the economies of scale. We have we combine drives from multiple car dealerships and rental companies, so that we we have high possibility of having uh, another drive which can be connected to the existing drives. So yeah, uh, that's when we started uh, in Sweden. It's the volume is still low. And that's when the costs are still high. But we have to uh, we have to pay that price in the beginning and start scaling up. And as we scale up, of course, the the price or the cost will come down. But but that's something that we really cannot. Uh, there there is no solution for that. Exist like. Yeah, yeah. I guess you gotta just you know force your way through to, until you get the critical mass of. Um... Uh, yeah, exactly. Right. So, what, one question: Did these driver, the drivers, are employees of Bila, or they're kind of freelancers, or these are like on-demand kind of workers, or I mean, because that must also present a challenge if they're not, if they're kind of on-demand. You know, you never know how many drivers are going to show up on a given day or not, or get sick, or you know, whatever it is. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's that's another huge problem uh, th that's actually one strength of our platform that uh, the drivers are freelancers and uh, we we cannot control their behavior they can work whenever they want how much they want to work uh, and how much they want to work we don't we cannot control that and <clears throat> that's actually what the drivers like in our platform that uh, the drivers are often uh, elderly people who just want to make some extra extra money and they find driving relaxing and may enjoy enjoy driving every now and then and another huge group of drivers is uh, students uh, students cannot uh, usually work full day because of their studies uh, so they they like to drive cars every now and then but that's that happens really randomly. They may have have like two hour gap between their lectures, and they decide to drive a couple of drives. And that that's something that presents a challenge for us. We we cannot control them, and we don't want to control them. Uh, we had we want to keep that freedom. Uh, and that's where we have to rely on uh, data and prediction. We have to try to predict. Uh, how much drivers are available at any time at any particular uh, area and that's that's something that my team is responsible for we have to try and estimate i could see that would be very difficult like if all of a sudden well i mean i guess with students you know when like the exams are and things like that but it, i mean how do, it's it's regulated by price in terms of like if there are fewer drivers you offer to pay more or is that how what's the mechanism to kind of yeah. encourage drivers to yeah, it's like the the easiest solution for that is like like usually in supply and demand. When the the supply is low, so the number of drivers is low, uh, we have to increase the rewards. So the drivers get rewards based on uh, the gigs. So we we calculate the initial reward for a gig uh, based on some factors factors like uh, the locations, how difficult they are, and uh, the distance, of course, the time it takes. But in case we cannot find a driver in within the lead time uh, before the drive has, has to depart, uh, we will ob obviously have to increase the reward a bit and try to find the right balance uh, there. Well, I can imagine this is quite a complex dynamic and system because it's, you know, the the profit you're going to make is based on how many 
how efficiently you can chain the rides, but that depends on how many drivers there are, which depends on the price, which depends on you know all, all these different pieces that are all kind of interrelated. Uh, I can imagine it gets very complex very quickly. And how does it work? I mean, if it, you know, how do you how do you deal with if someone wants a car delivered, you know, to some very remote place, they just have to pay a lot, and you just have to accept that you're going to have to send a driver out. It's just going to be expensive because it's far away or whatever. Or, or you mentioned some some elderly people enjoy driving. Is it more the case that like if it's in a scenic location, lots of drivers want to go there because it's a nice place to go and hang out, or how what? How's that play out? Yeah, yeah, it's it's a highly dynamical system, and it's it's naive to think that uh, it's only based on like the number of drivers or or like our old way of calculating the reward, initial reward, was that uh, we basically cal- estimate the time it takes to complete the gig, and we have some hourly uh, hourly reward which we use to estimate the reward, final reward, but that's pretty naive. Uh, in reality, the problem is much more complex, uh, the, especially the location. Uh, even if the final location or the destination changes, maybe 20 kilometers, that might be a completely different case if that moves outside a city. Uh, so that kind of thing, uh, where everything affects the like attractability of a drive, and sometimes uh, it's kind of surprising that uh, the same drive in different days may have completely different reward. That may be because uh, some drivers, uh, maybe, maybe it's Friday and people want to go see their uh, parents or families which live in different cities. So they take they want to take drives to Helsinki. So a lot of drives are going from old to Helsinki and suddenly the rewards get lower because there's so much demand from the drivers. To, to get drives to that location. So it, it like everything affects the reward. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm reminded of, um, we had a talk once at Geomob about, in London about um, you know the, the cycle hire systems. And he was looking at cycle hire schemes in different cities. And you know, in many cities, you can see different, different flows just like that, where everyone rides into the city center. Everyone wants to go to work at 9 in the morning. And then all the bikes are in the center, and no one, you know, then people in the, that are not in the center can't get a bike. Or, um, for example, in Barcelona, I think it's a bit different now because now we have electric bikes. But when it first started, it was just pedal bikes, and so everyone enjoys riding downhill. No one, no one wants to ride uphill. <laughs> so it really creates these weird distribution dynamics, and that the the system operator really has to work against and try to think of ways to to redistribute um, the, the resources. But of course, that gets very expensive if you do it wrongly. So, well, And this raises a good question for me. So, so to what extent, what, what lessons do you think you can share with anyone else out there creating kind of on-demand systems? What are some, any, any key learnings or insights or recommendations? Uh, I don't think there is any magic trick to that. Uh, I think that everything starts from understanding your system, like all the stakeholders, their utility functions, basically. Like, what is it that the drivers want to maximize? So they, they want to maximize the reward. Maybe they enjoy driving, so that, that increases their uh, personal reward. Uh, but they also want to minimize the waiting times between drives. They want to minimize the cost of public transportation. They want to minimize the uh, effort they have to make in order to walk long distances. So, so 
I think that the key is to understand your uh, stakeholders, which or the agents in that system, and based on that, you have to make some um, some models which try to maximize the, their every every stakeholder's utility. So that's that's where you have to uh, dive into the data and try and get uh, understanding of the dynamics of the system. I, I could well imagine that's very difficult because it's like, I, I, as you mentioned, like it's not it's not that the drivers are interchangeable, right? I mean, some you know some driver might be motivated very much by like earning more money. The other driver, as you said, is someone who's retired and is looking for you know a fun fun outing for a couple of days or, or, or whatever into the countryside or um, you know, I could imagine you could have all kinds of different profiles of people who really, the utility they get from the system is very different. And I could imagine that's right. quite difficult to model. Huh. Yeah, that's that's true. And uh, our current uh, system, which is uh, still in testing and we, we are piloting it, uh, but it's it's based on uh, global optimization. So, so we have created some sort of uh, objective function which tries to estimate the uh, goodness of a set of chains so so let's say we we take in uh, all the available drives let's say we have like 500 available drives and we are trying to uh, combine them to chains so we create a set of chains that may contain maybe 100 different chains and we we are trying to uh, give that uh, that chain set a score how good that is, how likely it is that uh, all of those chains are completed with the reward that we have given. And uh, <clears throat> that that's something that we have to find that objective function and that objective function we, we are using, uh, we are tuning that objective function by uh, trying out different chains, then we uh, measure how, how, how many people like them how how quickly people take them, like the drivers, and then we take a feedback loop from those and use reinforcement learning to uh, to try to uh, tune the objective function more to that direction. But of course, uh, the difficulty is that even if we have a great objective function which tries to create optimal chains, uh, the the requirements for tomorrow may be completely different like compared to today and it's it's never perfect yeah i think that's a really difficult problem to solve uh because of that but uh we are trying to in general we are trying to make good enough solutions uh and by solution i mean a set of chains so that it is the the likelihood of taking all of those chains is maximized do you have any horror stories, Mika, of days that it just goes horribly wrong, or you know, because I, I can imagine. I mean, you must have situations as well where, like, the driver gets lost, or the weather affects. You know, the, the it all breaks down because you know one car didn't get to a certain point at a certain time. Or I mean, it must you must just have crazy behind the scenes stories. Uh, I have to. Uh, I I I'm in a happy place in in a way that. Uh, I haven't encountered any uh, like huge horror stories as of yet, but I'm waiting for them. Uh, I think they are coming uh, soon uh, since uh, I have been only one year working with this. And uh, I think our logistics team, uh, which is uh, responsible of managing the 
basically matching drivers with drives. Uh, they have like <laughs> a whole lot of them, but I, I currently, I, I don't think I have any uh, huge horror stories as of All now. All right, well, fair enough, fair enough. Um, well, what a, this is a fascinating business, uh, Mika. I, I mean, I, I can imagine the technical complexity is really... Uh, impressive. So, congrats to you and your colleagues for uh, for mastering this. And um, I guess as, as we wrap up, any any final thoughts or any takeaways that you want to share with the audience or the, anyone out there listening might, who might be working on on routing and resource allocation? Any anything you want to leave us with? As I, as I said, I, I don't have any magic tricks for this kind of problems, but uh, I think it, every, everything starts with uh, creating something and getting feedback and uh, trying to understand your uh, stakeholders of the system. And by stakeholders, I mean the uh, customers and the drivers. And you have to try and understand what, what, what is it that they want to make uh, money or do they enjoy driving and like... You, you have to understand your your system quite well. Uh, I, I don't think there is anything special about that. I, I think that's probably good advice in any business. So, um, well, uh, Mika, I, I, am, I am sad I'm not going to be able to attend your talk uh, coming up in Ulu next week. I'm sure it's going to be great. Uh, you have lots of fa fantastic material. Um, for any listener out there who would like to get in touch with you, what would be the best way? You, you can reach me uh, in LinkedIn. I think that's the best way. I, I don't really use Twitter or anything like that. Uh, and if you're interested in our business, you can go to pila.io. I think you will find the link in the, in in the, the show notes. podcast yeah. notes. Yeah, show notes. Uh, and um, actually, in, in the near future, we are planning to open an English site about the engineering side of things and that's i think where many of the listeners are interested to go and maybe keep an eye out for that definitely definitely okay um well thank you very much uh, once again for coming on the show and of and for speaking next week at, at geomob finland good luck thank you my pleasure Thanks for joining us today and listening to the GeoMob podcast. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. Please get in touch with us if you have any feedback or suggestions for topics we should cover. You can get the show notes over on the website, which is at thegeomob.com. While you're there, you can sign up for our monthly mailing list where we keep you informed about upcoming events. You can, of course, also follow us on Twitter where our handle is GeoMob. Thanks for listening and hope to see you at a GeoMob event soon.